0: Can you, can you hear me over there in your mic?
1: Hello? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Steph Stars Update. And I actually said, can you hear me in your mic? Can you hear me in your headphones? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm joined today by Brianne Hogan, all the way from, where are you from, Brianne? Tell us.
1: I'm, right now I'm in Vancouver, that's where I'm living I'm not from here, but I'm living here In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada
0: ah, so Another time zone difference for the podcast Once again, which seems to be a common thing I'm always talking to folks from They're either five hours behind, six hours behind Or seven hours behind, some, most of the time so. so you've got daylight and I've got phew, dusk <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep.
0: Night <laughs> time, I've got night time. All right, so Brianne, tell us a bit about you, what you do, and how you do it.
1: I am a freelance writer and an author and a podcast host myself. I've been writing for, oh gosh, like 12 years now. Wow. I've written for the Washington Post, uh, the BBC, L, BuzzFeed, mm-hmm um those are just some of my bylines i I usually write about health wellness spirituality films i do write about films i've been writing for final draft um that's the screenwriting software that most screenwriters use they have a website and a blog so i i write for them and i get to interview screenwriters a lot which is really cool for me because i learn a lot as i interview them and in my free time I podcast and I write my own stuff. I'm writing my own novel. I have two books out on astrology wow. and self care, but I'm moving into fiction because I really love storytelling. Yeah. So I'm, I'm writing no, a novel right now. And my dream is this novel will be eventually made into a movie. I'd love that or 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 like a, a series on on like Netflix or something. I'll, I'll take, yeah. take that if I can. <laughs> so you got big yeah. dreams.
0: So I'm, yeah, I'm basically <laughs> interviewing a superstar in the making or a superstar already. You just didn't realize you're a superstar yet. Wow. OK. I
1: hope so. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see.
0: You but listen. Yeah,
1: that's, that's the goal.
0: <laughs> listen, you heard you heard Brianne on her first. I know she got her own podcast, but you heard her on my podcast first. That's right. I'm taking the royalties and everything. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But seriously, <laughs> that is amazing. I've 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 wanted to write before but just never really got past like a short story. So you are already um my icon.
1: Oh, well, thank you. But I I love writing. I think everyone does have a story inside of them. I really do. I think it's just like anything, it's like just doing it. Like, yeah. just getting over the the hump of the fear, yeah. and, and, and getting out of your own way, like, the inner critic in your head saying, this sucks, which everyone deals with. Like, mm-hmm. I deal with it all the time. Like, every time I write, I'm like, this is terrible. Who's gonna read this?
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> can i can agree and i can relate not on this not on the same level as you but yeah there's, there's times when you're kind of putting stuff down even for work sometimes i'm trying to doing things and i'm like no one's gonna like this stuff
2: yeah i'm not even bothering
0: yeah. but yeah no i totally hear that and is is that sort of is that sort of imposter syndrome or am i missing missing
1: it yeah i think it's imposter syndrome i think it's a bit of like who am i to do this or w- what what do i have to say is worthy of hearing like do people really want to hear what i have to say is what i have to say of any value to anybody you know i think that that's part of it and also i think part of it is just you don't want to suck yeah (laughs) nobody (laughs) wants to be that person who's just terrible and and so i think there's that fear of like no one's gonna like my stuff and it's i've worked so hard on this and then they're gonna read it and be like this is this is what you've worked on for years <laughs> like you know so i think that's all but it's all in our heads it's all it's all yeah. nothing really yeah. it's all nothingness doesn't matter you know it's
0: true it's true i think not even I think, I'm planning on, and I'm not going to go do a whole novel just straight after this podcast. No, it's not going to (laughs) happen. I'm definitely, because I've got a story in my head that's been sitting in there for about two months and I I haven't written anything and I've got a whole skeleton and I'm just going to put it down on Mm. paper because I'm I'm getting sick and tired of waking up and having these ideas. And I drop them down in my phone and I just don't do anything with them. I've got a whole notepad full of ideas that uh, could be short stories Like there's probably about mm-hmm. Probably anywhere near like 50 or 60 maybe ideas Wow yeah. That's a lot But this is what I'm saying I, was like, I ain't got I just I just get to the point where I'm like Nah No one's gonna like that Not gonna write
1: <laughs> Yeah I know Well it's a lot of ideas I've definitely been guilty Of having that too Where I'm focusing on an idea And then I think of something else That yeah. I think is even better And then I think No 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 But this idea is better And then I don't end up Doing any of them Yep So What I had to do was just really commit, really. And I had to be like, this is the idea and I'm sticking to it. And, and then, you know, it's been rewarding actually. I've, uh, I'm really, it gives you a sense of accomplishment because it's like, no, I'm sticking to one idea and I'm seeing it through. And, and then from that, like one idea, like so many little ideas can come of it, you know? And it's, it's, it's exciting. So yeah, find that one idea and then like just do it.
0: (laughs) Well, then I, I think hopefully, Somewhere down the line, I'm gonna pick up a book by Brian Hogan. I'm gonna open up the front page, and it's gonna say in there for Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: First name. I'm gonna
0: put. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Sorry. Okay. We came here to do something important, which is talk about movies, and we're not even doing that yet. So, I am gonna get us to jump into our movie chat, and I think you're a very, 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 very well positioned interviewee to be talking about movies correct me if I'm wrong I don't think I am no I
1: you're think not. I'm definitely I actually right. studied I studied film so that that I studied film in university
0: there you go all right okay <laughs> I just set
1: myself up really high for <laughs> high expectations but
0: do not worry about that I know you're passionate about the movies that we're going to talk about so we're going to jump in with the first one which is your one and tell us what that movie is
1: Jurassic Park. Yep, it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. Jurassic
1: Park. <laughs> Almost forgot. Yeah. Yes,
0: it's definitely Jurassic Park.
1: <laughs> yes, Jurassic Park. Um, My goodness. I think if you were a kid in the 90s, I was, I think, oh, I want to say, came out in 93. So I was uh, 10, 10 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. I think that was a perfect age for Jurassic Park. I think, like, that was the blockbuster of the year. It was the blockbuster of the decade. My God, they're still making them to this day. Yes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's like the franchise, it keeps going. But, uh, but I think if you didn't grow up in that era, like you don't know, like we never had a movie like Jurassic park, like the CGI and just the whole experience. And then it was everywhere. It was on every, I don't know, toy piece of clothing. Like it was just, it was just a phenomenon. So For me, Jurassic Park is just a wonderful reminder of movies and how powerful they are and how exciting they can be when you're a kid, you know, and going to the theater and, like, getting really lost in a story. Like, to me, I was like, I wanted to be those kids, which is so weird because they were really in trouble and they were going to (laughs) die from these dinosaurs. But I was like, man, like, I wish I was one of those kids because it just seemed so... I don't know i think that was just part of me wanting to be an actress maybe and me wanting to be in that storytelling world because it just seems so fun to i don't want to say in the story but too fun to make that movie yeah i think to be a part of it and to work with obviously like steven spielberg mm-hmm. and and to just have that world be created like dinosaurs who saw dinosaurs before like that like
0: yeah I, <laughs> no yeah money. i mean we, we well I'm not, I'm not gonna say that we had like the kind of effects that were apparent in things like Jason and the Argonauts. But if you think back to when we were first being introduced to monsters bigger than humans on screen, a lot of it was claymation when we were younger. Yeah. But then it got a little bit better but you could still you still knew that it wasn't real wasn't that good and then Jurassic Park came in and he was like whoa I mean how the hell did they get the d-? no that's correct like it was bonkers that they managed to make it look as though there was a real dinosaur and I think that's probably yeah. one of the first I think that was like one of the first movies that really did animatronics extreme like beyond well that like, was just amazing and I think yeah. there, was, there was a documentary on it recently it was in that movies that made me series on Netflix I believe, oh. yeah, it was on there, and they were talking, and I, I can't remember, I remember watching the episode, don't remember, like, all the fine details, but they talked about how they actually put those dinosaurs into the movie, um, uh. and it wasn't an easy process whatsoever. Like, people were, okay. yeah, people were struggling, like, it was a struggle, they managed to do it, but they did it really, really well, and then you've got, like, the uh, movies that they've made recently, in recent years, and you see got even better, but... It's just, it's not, it's not Jurassic Park. It's not the same, same thing
1: no. the first one. No, you know what? I think what I loved about the original is because of the animatronics. I haven't watched that Netflix thing, but I think I will because, you know, seeing that um, the, the T-Rex when the, he goes into the SUV with the kids yeah. and, and their yeah. the, the plexiglass. <laughs> like, <laughs> it seems so real. It was like, oh my God. And I think now with the newer ones, there's just there's too much CGI. So now, yeah. like, I'm like almost taken out of those movies. Plus, I don't think the storytelling is as good as the original. But no. no, no way. I'm almost like I'm taken out of them. Like I think, oh, I know this is fake. Like I know it's fake. But and maybe it's because I'm jaded because it's been like 30 years of CGI. So we all know it's fake at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think what's made that movie so special is that. As you said, like we weren't used to seeing some, something so real, like, and it was like it blew your mind. It was like, what? Like, how did this happen? Like, how did that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you, you wouldn't. Uh, it of the time it was. You said it nineteen ninety three, didn't you? So yeah. well, of the time, it wasn't another six more years after that that I think the Matrix came out and that blew Ron's mind again. But it was a different. They did it differently. The the special effects in that were great, but the special effects in Jurassic Park for the time, 1993, doing that then was bonkers. And I think some of what they did was they didn't necessarily, because CGI wasn't as good as it was now than it is back then, they didn't do tons and tons of CGI. They really did have, like, machines and they made... Yeah. Like the heads of the dinosaurs, so whenever they needed to do something where something was roaring or chomping on something, it was literally a, like almost like machine-made thing happening as opposed to a computer-generated image. On the, yeah, it was it's it's, it's bonkers. I mean, it, it costed however amount of millions to make, and it blew the box office apart. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He made that money back, no problem. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Like a hundred percent. I'm getting the money back. Of course I'm getting the money back. But um, <laughs> I I, I always ask guests to, before they come on, to give me a clip or tell me their a a favourite clip from the movie and you picked a really good one for this one. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Tell me a little bit about it before, before well, I play it. Just set us up.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's when we see the dinosaurs for the first time and it's with that John Williams score. Mm-hmm which still gives me goosebumps, even when I, I listen to it, like, I don't know how many times. Like, I've seen that movie, I don't know how many times. But every time that scene comes up, I get the goosebumps. I still feel all those feelings that I did when I was a kid when I saw it for the first time. And when you see the expression on Sam Neill's face and Laura Dern's face, when they're getting out of the Jeep and they're looking at the dinosaurs for the first time, I mean, that was, like, everybody in the audience. Like, for that, yeah. when you watched it for the first time, it was, like what dinosaurs <laughs> how did spielberg do this are you kidding me so yeah it's such a special moment it's i think it's like the best scene in the movie
0: it, yeah yeah i agree even and you wouldn't expect because jeff goldblum's character he was more of a cynic but mm-hmm. even even in that scene even his character was like holy Whoa, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> all right yeah. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna put people out of their misery i'm gonna play it
2: It's a dinosaur. Uh (laughs) You're dead. You crazy son of a bitch, you're dead. We can just tear up the rule book on it. Cold-bloodedness, it doesn't apply. (gasps) They're totally wrong. This is a warm-bodied creature. (laughs)
1: This thing doesn't live in a swamp.
2: This thing's got, what, a 25, 27-foot neck? A 30.
1: every
0: time <laughs> <laughs> but i agree the i'm a i'm a movie soundtrack person as well and you could play me like a, just a snippet of music from a movie i don't need to, need to hear the actors i could tell you what movie that is just based off yeah. of the soundtrack a lot of the time and that that in itself that music by john williams you just know you just know it's jurassic. Yeah. you know you're watching jurassic park come on
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's it's yeah. It's, it's unforgettable. It's like such a it's such a good mo- movie and moment and I just I like it. I you can keep watching it. You know what's going to happen in it, but for me it's yeah. like I I still I also watch it once a year.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes on usually it comes on in the UK around uh towards Christmas time yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken. It doesn't I don't normally see it any time in the year apart from when it's dark and cold and it's the Christ, like yeah you know, it's christmas and everyone's getting gearing up for the the holidays and stuff like that and you might catch Jurassic, and they'll play they won't just play the first one they'll play the first mm-hmm. one they'll put on the second one and then they'll put on the third one and then they'll just try and play all of them like one 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 episode a week so that you just glued to your tv leading up to christmas Crazy, and then yeah. and then the yeah. yeah, and then they do it all over again. Like then you'll see the first one again because you know, two weeks later, of course you need to watch them all again. So they put them on two weeks later. Oh, yeah, boy. yeah, but that's the UK for you. We we um we recycle stuff like movies, especially TV, like over and over and over. It
1: happens here too. You no, know, it happens here in North America as really? well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mostly like. Actually, it's one of the movies that we're gonna talk about later, but it's that's like a die hard thing. (laughs) They do that all the time.
0: Okay, but let's listen, let's just segue right into that because it is actually (laughs) our next movie, Die Hard. Ah, look at do you know what you're too smooth. You are way too smooth. She's she's got her own podcast, she knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Um (laughs) So So Die Hard is the next movie that we're gonna talk about, and it's the movie that I'm gonna talk about. Because you know who isn't a Die Hard fan? You see what I did there. You see you see, you see what I did there. Anyway, um, that, yeah. So I I saw Die Hard many many years ago. I was I can't remember how old I was, but I remember watching this and thinking the dude from Moonlightings in the action, <laughs> in the action <laughs> movie. What's going on? <laughs> what? But but it it was really good. I was like I could I thought. Okay, so this, this guy, he can actually pull off an action movie. Wow. Um, and it had Alan Rickman in it, who at the time I wasn't obviously aware of his back catalogue of movies because I was quite young back then. But um, Alan Rickman was in it. I looked up the one of the henchmen, the one with the long blonde hair at one point. Yeah. I think he was like a dancer or a musician or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I I, after the fact, obviously, when we had the got the internet and it was up and running, and we were able to search for stuff. Later on in life, I looked at all the the actors and found out that they'd done stuff prior to the movie or they'd done well after the movie. But it was um, I remember watching it again, same documentary on Netflix. They talked about Die Hard and they talked about how they made the movie in a area where there was people still working in buildings and stuff. So they mm-hmm. had to keep shooting at like funny times because obviously they couldn't disturb the people working in and around that city block. And the, the, especially the bit with a helicopter and it's firing at the tour, it's kind of being shot at uh, or it blows up as well. They were com- people were complaining about the noise. The helicopter as it fell down was actually a toy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it a toy. wow.
0: It was a toy helicopter, but they, they did the whole explosion thing, but then they kind of did it as a, um, they did a model as well. So little things like that that you wouldn't really notice. I mean, now when you watch it, because special effects have moved on so far, you can tell oh, that's, a, that's, mm-hmm. that's not a real building. But back then, I thought that was a real building. No, no, yeah, I do can argue with you. That's, that's a real building. But it was, I found that um, Bruce Willis's acting in it was just, it was just good enough for that particular kind of, of movie. And, if you watch the next set of movies down the line... Obviously, back then, we, we only had the first one. But I couldn't... I didn't want to put the scene of him in the um, cruel space. Because okay. I wanted to put that in there. I wanted to play that one today. But I can't because it's only relevant in the next few movies because he's in another tight space in the second movie. And that's what mm. makes the, f- the first scene of him in there in the first movie funny because he's doing it all over again because <laughs> he's saying things like in you know, the number two like another Christmas turkey another elevator shaft another, <laughs> another duck <laughs> and he's just angry but he's got that white t-shirt and it's getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier which is a thing yeah. <laughs> which is a thing there's like you need to wear a white vest you need to get dirty because you're going to be running around and being shot at but yeah um, but then Alan Rickman I think uh, he passed away didn't he not long ago yeah. So, yeah. rest in peace. Um he he was an amazing amazing villain, I think. But yeah, sorry. I'm I'm just waffling, 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 waffling about it, but it was just such a it, at the, for the time it was such a good movie.
1: Yeah, I watch it every Christmas with my friends. We we're a die-hard kind of crew, so we watch it every Christmas and yeah. we have we've, <laughs> we've assigned each other characters. It's just something that we do. No one's Bruce Willis and no one's Alan Rickman. So I'm mm-hmm. actually the guy with the long hair. That's my character.
0: <laughs> Excuse me.
1: And then I, and then one of my friends is Argyle, who's the, the oh, logo driver a, a, in the basement.
0: A lot of people forget then, about him.
1: Yes, well, he's a very important part of yeah. the movie. Yeah. And um, another friend is the, um, oh, I forget his name. He's the coke head. He's you oh, know the, the um, he's kind of the jerk in the movie. He's like booby guy. He tries to Ellis. That's yeah, Ellis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we watch the movie every year. It's um as I said, it's always on TV. But I actually have the the DVD and okay. it because it means so much to me. It's such a great action movie. I love action movies. That's one of my my things. Like I love a good action movie, and that one never disappoints. It has action. It's got comedy. I think Bruce Willis, as you said, like. It's not, you know, the best acting, but he plays it so well yeah. though. So, yeah. you know, like John McClane is like I can't even imagine anybody playing that role. But it's interesting as you mentioned because Bruce was only known as like the TV guy. Like he hadn't really been yeah. in movies before. And the same thing with Alan Rickman. That actually was his film debut. He hadn't been in a movie wow. before. Okay. And he was he was 40 years old and that was his first movie role. And so I love hearing about stuff like that because it gives you hope like that you can still do what you want to (laughs) do because if Alan Rickman, that was his first movie role at 40. So it's like, hell I can do anything because like what Alan Rickman did at 40. Never too late. You know, so never too late. late. (laughs) But yeah, you had these two rookies who had never been in a movie and they carried the movie and it's a classic to this day. So I think it's, it says a lot about the acting and and just how the story went i mean it's it's a formulaic kind of action movie mm-hmm. but you know it hits in all the right places so yeah classic
0: <laughs> and then i i, I don't want to say i don't want to talk because i want to i want to drop this scene this clipping that i've chosen but at the same time i also want to address the evolution of that john mclean character because he went from oh oh and another question I got to ask you is Die Hard a Christmas, a movie, Christmas movie or? A, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, so you know this argument already. Okay, I mean, what, what what's your we take?
1: Talk about it a lot. Mm. I think it is a Christmas movie. Okay, it takes place at Christmas. Okay, there's a lot of Christmas references. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a ho ho ho. He puts on the dead corpse and yep. sweatshirt and. Yep. He, that's why he's in LA to be at his wife's Christmas party we Christmas party so yep I I'm a believer I think it's a Christmas movie 100%
0: <laughs> and that is another score another point for Die Hard being a Christmas movie thank you very much you heard it on this podcast okay <laughs> so I was gonna say, I was gonna talk about the evolution of that character and but I'm gonna do it really fast because I want to play the clip so he starts out he's uh a cop, obviously, in the first one. Um, cop in the second one, but he's his wife's coming back from somewhere, and he's meeting her at the airport. Um, and then in the, by the third one, I think he's like a sergeant by then. Um, and that's the one with um, Die Hard with a Vengeance with Samuel Jackson, and they're basically Samuel Jackson's a good Samaritan who gets roped into this whole thing by Hans Gruber's brother. can it's played <laughs> by Jeremy Irons, I think.
2: Yes yes, yes yes yeah jeremy yeah. see <laughs> you
0: see how it all comes back um and then skipping forward again i think it was um after Die Hard revengeance do we have is it Die Hard 4.0 or am i mistaken
1: i don't know what it's called but it's it's the fourth one i don't know what it's called i don't know what the name is but um, it's with the compu- computer hacker yes
0: it is called, i think yeah. it's i think it is called Die Hard 4.0 okay, okay. um yeah and it's with the the hacker dude and then they've the, got the fire sale and by then he's just he's older and he just doesn't really give a crap anymore he's just tired and exhausted but he still he says things like should you run out of bad guys to throw at me because he's all those little <laughs> 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 and he's just pissing pe- he's just annoying people by staying alive um mm-hmm. and i think it, i thought even at Die diehard 4.0 was again formulaic and run of the mill i I quite enjoyed that one. And then the last one that he was in with, his son's all grown up and his son is like, works for either the CIA or some whatever and he's in there in Russia. I didn't really enjoy that one. I, no, think I that's, don't like yeah. that one at all. I think that's the only one, one that Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't feel like Die Hard, did it? It just felt like- No, no. Yeah, because all, all four kind of, you felt like uh, Bruce Willis's character was sort of carrying it to an extent but in that last one, I just did, I did. But I didn't really care about anybody, to be honest. It was like, no, exactly. You're not gonna die anyway, so.
1: No. Yeah. Exactly. Well, true. Like he keeps,
0: <laughs> he keeps
1: living, and I didn't like that his son was this older. He was a cop or something. I really yeah, remember, yeah, and his son was like really like. He was just really like salty to his dad, like, and then he kept calling him John, he wouldn't yes. call him dad. Yeah. he Refused. And I really, I really took umbrance with that. I did not <laughs> like that at all. I was like, why can't you just call him dad? Like, why are you being such a jerk?
0: I think they missed the trick. I think what they should have done was have the daughter ha- shine in a movie as opposed to because mm. she was in pretty much, she was in the first one as a kid. She mm. was in, no, she wasn't in the second one. I think she was not in the first, she was in the fourth one, wasn't she? Boy yes, grown up. So why didn't you just do a diehard Hard? and then have her I mean by the fourth one she's like you know what I want to be a cop <laughs> and then yeah. fast forward yeah. to the fifth and she's some kind of crazy she's like a do you know what I mean that that would I would have enjoyed that probably more than having to fly to Russia to meet his son to do he just it's like oh it's a stretch
1: yeah, it was. It was, and it, it's too bad. I hope they do one more, so we're not, and, it, and that it's better, so we're not left with that one being the last one, because that would be really oh, disappointing. I
0: don't know, but
1: Bru- who's to Bruce say? is off
0: starring in all kinds of crappy movies. <laughs> <So.
1: Yeah. laughs> oh, I mean, I, know, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have high hopes, but I mean, I, I would like that, but yeah. we'll see.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the the clip I'm gonna play is the one where. John McClane's character meets Hans Gruber's character for the first time, not knowing that it's Hans Gruber, and they have a little conversation.
2: Now to use a handgun, Bill. I spent a weekend at a combat ranch. You know that game with the guns that shoot red, pink? Probably seems kind of stupid to you. Well, time for the real thing, Bill. All I gotta do is pull the trigger. Come on. The 33rd Stock there. Compt. Sofort. Put down the gun. And give me my detonators. Oh well wow. Well. Hans. Yeah.
0: I like I did I did like that scene. I did 'cause first time you watch it, you're like, it, it's the dude. It's oh, but and then he gives him the gun. You're like, what are you giving the gun for? You did <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's a good it's a good scene that was really yeah and then i'm I'm glad that they had that scene together because they had been you know talking in the walkie talkies (laughs) and finally they got to meet face to face yeah yeah
0: yeah. it was it was a good build-up but then i kind of i didn't like the way they killed off the Hans group of character at the end to be honest oh
1: really you didn't like it through the window no
0: no it was a bit of a it was a bit of a he just died too easily I found. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, his henchmen, especially the guy with the white hair, just was like a Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the lead,
1: yeah. The, oh.
0: the, but then the lead dude was just like, yeah, throwing out windows,
1: yeah. like the whole watch thing.
0: He's like, oh.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I think when the white-haired guy who I play when I watch the movie, um, when he comes back in the second time, like when you think he's dead, and then he comes back and he's going to shoot John McClane, I don't like that part of the movie. It's such a stretch to me because I thought... Like, who would survive? Like, he's, cha- he's like, hung up by a chain. He's been beaten. He's been shot. And then how did he get himself down?
0: Yeah, that's... A, a, <laughs> a, a,
1: the
0: exact same... Yep, the exact same questions that I have. What? <laughs> you... Ugh, shut up. You must have... Because if he did that, then you're feeling going to break your legs because you're that high up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was high up true. And so how would he... and. And then he's he's that strong to rip these chains off him, anyways. And he grabbed the gun, and then he just he just rolls out, and he's like, bah! "Like no." Nah, <laughs> I didn't like that part, but other otherwise, it's a perfect action movie. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like, I'm, we need to back off the back off the action movies a little bit. We're going to segue and kind of slide on to your second movie choice, our third movie of the podcast, and that is Spotlight. Tell us a bit mm-hmm. about Spotlight, please.
1: Well, yeah, this is one of the heaviest. I think the heaviest movie of our list today. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a drama. It's about a group of reporters in Boston, and they have this column called Spotlight, and they do a lot of investigative journalism. That's that's the column, and they their team exposed uh, this the Catholic priest's sexual abuse in Boston Mm -hmm. in around, I think, yeah, it was right after 9-11, because that's in the movie. So it was about 2001, 2002 when this came out. And then that just uh, spiraled into more and more news about sexual abuse in the Catholic church. And then at the end of the movie, which is so powerful, like right before the credits, it's just you see all these towns and cities around the world who've been affected by these these Catholic priests and and the abuse that these poor children suffered so it's a it's a very heavy topic it's a very heavy subject what I love about the movie is that the script is amazing I think it's like it's a flawless script the acting I think is is wonderful I think all the actors were it was perfectly cast the movie the tone of the movie is very simple it's very quiet but it works well, for the subject matter, and I also just like the fact of you know these are just journalists. They're not cops. They're not special you know people in the way that we think where law and order should be done. They're they're just they're just journalists. But I yeah. think it speaks to the power of journalism and the power of people and coming together to to fight an injustice that the people that we would rely on to help weren't doing anything about. They were covering it up. You know the mm-hmm. police, lawyers. You know, and so they took it upon themselves and they kept digging and digging and digging and, and they did a lot of good for a lot of families who had been affected. So I like that part of, of the fact that we are, we can be powerful advocates for other people and, and just the strengths of journalism. Journalism is, is very, we need it. And what's been going on with the media industry mm-hmm is you know it's been really challenging these past few years enough not a decade and i think it speaks to what we need journalists to do the work for people
0: yeah no they're, totally they're cool. important
1: part yeah so there's all of that and i think as like for me you know being a writer i, I resonate with you know i'm not that i've ever worked on such a powerful story like that but i resonate with the fact of wanting to help I, and wanting to make your work mean something and be a value to people and um yeah and then the movie was shot partly in Toronto and that's where I'm from okay all right. <laughs> so, yeah like, okay so <laughs> i like i like I that i mean it's it's like it's like a canadian thing whenever like a movie is like shot in <laughs> canada we have to say it was shot in canada um Rachel McAdams is Canadian. She's a fabulous actress. She's in the movie, and um, Michael Keaton. He's amazing. Yep. Like I love Michael Keaton's career. I love the fact that like you know he was so popular in the eighties and nineties. He kind of went away, and then he had a resurgence mm-hmm. in his in his sixties. Like okay, yeah. you know, and yeah. So
0: came back with Birdman, didn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And then he did. He did. He was in Spider Man, uh, one uh, Homecoming. I think he was in. Um, yeah he was in Spider-Man Homecoming As the Vulture Yeah
1: But Mark Ruffalo really? Was
0: in this movie too Spotlight He was in there as yeah. well Stan, he's, Stanley he's, he's, Tucci yeah.
1: Oh I love Stanley Tucci Stanley Tucci Like if you if, if Stanley Tucci's in a movie You know it's a good movie Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I Because Because they both Are bald I sometimes confuse uh, Is it Mark Strong And Stanley Tucci Brief Very very briefly Always like um, I look at the screen and I'm like that's oh no no it's, it's it's Mark Strong but sometimes yeah sometimes I can easily confuse Mark Strong and Stanley Tucci. It's weird how I do that, but I do it. And it always lasts a couple of seconds before I realize who it is. But both they they but I find that they are both very 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 good actors. Sorry to to digress no, yeah. a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, Rachel yeah, it's Rachel McAdams as well. Like, I like her in the movie. Like she's a really really good actor too. And yeah. Liv Schreiber as well he was in... Yeah,
1: he's in it. Yeah, he's amazing in this yeah. movie. He plays that role very well. Of He's a new editor. He take, and, that's a, that's, and that's a piece of it, too, where it took an outsider. So, I mean, Boston, he's not from Boston, so Lee Schreiber plays this uh, new editor. He's from Florida, and mm. he becomes a new editor of The Globe in Boston. And, and they had covered the story a little bit about the sexual abuse, but not really. They didn't really dig deep. And it took... Uh, his character an outsider to shine light onto something that people were hiding they were covering it up they were just shoving it under the carpet they didn't really want to disturb the church because in the movie as they talk about and even the church is connected to the paper so there was you know um, alliances that they didn't want to touch yeah. and it took someone from the outside to you know, mix it up and be like eh, I think we can change this I think we can do this and Stanley Tucci says something very similar to um Mark Ruffalo's character in the diner mm-hmm. and he says it takes people like us who are different to make a change and and it's true because I I don't know if Leanne Schreiber's character didn't come in as the editor if they would have ever done what they did because yeah. he really pushed yeah. for the story yeah
0: yeah I think I think I've watched this film maybe once just had one run through and I do remember and I watched it I think I watched it at home it just happened to be on, and I didn't catch the start of it, but I, I just carried on watching. It. I was like, I was just, I was kind of fixed to the TV, thinking, oh my what is this about? It's so interesting. But I just, I think it was mainly the performances that kept me, kept me watching it. Mm-hmm. To be honest,
1: mm-hmm. it was just mm-hmm. really some That's- really
0: really good yeah
1: that's why i keep watching i watch this movie like once a year for sure and it's again it's like it's a heavy drama <laughs> like why would you want because it's as a as an artist i really respect the performances i yeah. think they were so natural and but but so potent. Like, they were still so strong. There was nothing overacting about them. They played it very almost small. Yeah, yeah. But it it was so powerful, though, at the same time. And I think that's why it it connects with me, because I I love those type of performances. And I think, as I said, the writing was very compelling. And it worked like a thriller almost, even though... Mm you know, you kind of know what the outcome's going to be in the end because it's based on a true story. Yeah. But it still worked like a thriller. You still weren't sure, you know, how they were going to connect the dots and, and and then new revelations came about. And it, it still, like, kept you surprised about what was going to come. So I like I like that too.
0: Well, I'm going to drop in your clip, which I think um, it's Lieb Schreiber's character. He... He's making sort of demands of his team in this clip as well. And I just like the way that they're all kind of talking and trying to, trying to like, I think they're, it's, they're going through their process, basically. But he wants, he basically wants to make sure that they catch these, these, these people, but it's the way that they have to do it, which he kind of lays down, and you have to do it this way, <laughs> otherwise it's never going to happen.
2: Well, I had to know. That's why he had the reaction. Because he knew there were others. I think that's the bigger story.
1: But the numbers clearly indicate that there were senior clergy involved.
2: That's all they do, indicate. But are you telling me that, that if we run a start with 50 pedophile priests in Boston... Mike, we'll get into the same catfight you got into on Porter, which made a lot of noise, but changed things not one bit. We need to focus on the institution, not the individual priests.
0: Practice and policy. Show me the church manipulated the system so that these guys wouldn't have to face charges. Show me they put those same priests back into parishes time and
2: time again. Show me this was systemic, that it came from the top down. Sounds like we're going after law.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so law is the cardinal in the movie. And, and so, yeah, I think it's just powerful. I think it just shows that, Yeah. I, again, it's just... I like that scene because he knows it's part of the system. It's not just an isolated case. It, it, it's, it's the Catholic Church, the institution. It isn't, you know, just one priest here, one priest there. It's, yeah. it's the whole thing. And so to go after that, it, you know, it's, it, that's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it's necessary, you know, it's necessary. We need to question things. We need to question things that we don't agree with and keep fighting for it and not back down. So that's what I liked about the movie the most.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to move us along a little bit faster now. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: next movie. All right. Um, my baby, it's Sleepless in Seattle. C- yeah. Sleepless in C- Seattle. <laughs> laugh? She's laughing at me. <clears throat> Sleepless in Seattle. Now, I watched this movie and I haven't seen it since. And it was a long, long, long time ago. For But from what I remember, <laughs> this movie, it was about a man whose wife had passed away. And the character, played by Tom Hanks, is called Sam. And he has an eight-year-old son called Jonah. And they relocate from Chicago to Seattle to escape the grief associated with his wife, Maggie's death. So, 18 months later, Sam is still grieving and can't sleep. And although Jonah misses his mother, he wants his father to get a new wife, despite Sam not having even contemplated dating again. So, one Christmas Eve, Sam... Uh, ends up pouring his heart out on a radio talk show, and that's the clip that I have lined up as well. Mm. But it's just the way the son's. It's not sneaky. It's sneaky, but it's not sneaky. But it's mm. like he's no. He realizes that his dad is suffering. He's in pain. He's 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 missing his his wife. Um, he can never get her back, obviously. And it's just a really, really, really touching. Not even touching scene. It's just the, the idea that your son who is quite young, would take the initiative to try and help you out of the funk yeah. that you're in. But then you have the character played by Meg Ryan, who who's actually in the film. Her name's Annie, I think. And yeah. she's in a relationship, but she hears Sam on the radio and she hears how sad he is and how, how lonely he is because he starts pouring out his heart and she ends up almost falling in love with him, or at least his voice and what he's saying. But then he starts getting all this metal from all these other women. <laughs> he just it just balloons and goes crazy. <laughs> and the kid's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get a mum soon." But um, but, <laughs> but I liked I liked the pacing of it. I liked how the boat, all the characters in it, were quite um, thoughtful, with their performances, I even liked the the kid wasn't because sometimes kids can be annoying in movies. The kid wasn't um, yeah. the kid wasn't terribly annoying. He was actually quite cool, I liked him. Um, I didn't feel like, you know, every time he came on screen, I needed to kind of turn it down or fast forward it. It wasn't that kind of a kind of a situation, but I just, it was a film that you could really get your teeth around. And then Meg Ryan's character, Annie, she finally gets um, in touch with Sam and, Sends him a letter, basically, and says, I'll meet you at the top of the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I could
0: have picked that scene, but I didn't. Um, I went with the scene where he gets stitched up by the kid, basically, and has to talk on this radio <laughs> show. Against his will, but he does it anyway. But, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. it, it was, it's in the same vein, and I think it was made not long or before, was it uh, You've Got Mail? same before s- before yeah. there you go same same actors just different setting but they f- they obviously fought Mel ryan tom hanks they do romantic not necessarily comedies but kind of romantic films well together and they put them in a rom-com which was uh you've got mel which i liked again uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a trend here. I like the Burbs too, which is another Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, that's
1: a good one. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I talked about that on another podcast, but I could I could waffle about that film all day long. It's
1: hilarious,
0: <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, yeah. Sorry. That so that's my that's my take on Sleepless in Seattle. Anyway,
1: I like Sleepless in Seattle a lot. I watch it around the holidays, so it's another holiday movie for me. Yeah. Um, what I like about it, there's a couple of things. So Annie is. Like 30 or something, or she's over 30 for sure. And she's a she's a writer. So those are things that I can resonate with. But I think it's also someone who believes in magic and someone who believes in destiny. And I think that's a real powerful thing. I think there's part of us who do who wants to believe in that. Now, whether or not like our logic mind or our ego mind takes over and says, That's not possible. Why mm-hmm. would you want this man that you don't know? You're, <laughs> you know, with, with Bill Pullman, who seems pretty He's a pretty good guy. I mean, he's got a lot of allergies.
0: But, you know. <laughs> he does, know
1: he? has so many allergies. <laughs> but he seems like a decent guy. Like, you mm. could have a pretty good life with him. You know, he seems pretty friendly. You know, he has, like, a good demeanor. But she's she's looking for magic. She's looking for that spark. And mm. I, think, I think we all want that, you know. And I think it's whether or not we're going to go after it. Whether or not we, we think is worth going after we're, we're crazy right because i think she fights with herself like yeah. is this crazy i think she even asks uh, rosie o'donnell in the movie am i crazy and then rosie's like no that's that's the weird part about it and that's and so so i think you know following maybe this intuition she hears this man's voice on the radio she connects mm-hmm. and it's just like oh my gosh like what if and she says what if this guy's my destiny and so i think you know there's that romantic part of me anyways who thinks yeah like following your gut and being like hey this does not make any sense and and this is not even just in a romantic sense but anything in life i have a feeling this is what i want to do it doesn't make any sense i'm gonna <laughs> do it anyway <laughs> and she does and then it works out because he yeah. loves her too
0: <laughs> lucky her, hey eh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes it, i mean poor bill pullman but he took it oh, like a champ
0: he did take it like a champ i thought i kind of did feel sorry for him though
1: yeah he Because what's great about his character is that he's not a douche like he's no, not no. someone who you think oh yeah annie like you you should leave him you know and i think that was a great thing that nora efron who wrote the script did Because I think that would have been an easy way out. Mm. And I think the audience would have been, like, on Annie's side right away. Then, like, yeah, like, Bill's a jerk. Like, of course, you know, you should leave him and go for Tom. So it was a nice kind of juxtaposition of, like I said, he was a nice guy. She probably could have had a nice life. But do you just want nice? Or do you want magic? And she wanted the magic. So. She
0: seemed to get it. But, all right. I'm I'm (laughs) going to drop this clip in. Here you go.
2: Dad? Yeah. There's someone on the phone for you. His name's Sam. Sam. If you've just tuned in, this is Dr. Marsha Fieldstone. And tonight's topic is your wishes and dreams. Yeah, okay, I got it. And we're on the line now with someone from Seattle. Hello. Hello, Sam. This is Dr. Marsha Fieldstone on Network America. Okay, what are you selling tonight? Is it the uh, micro hibachis or the Ginza knives? Yeah not selling anything i just want to help i want you to know that your son called and he asked me for some advice on how you might find a new wife who is this dr Marsha fieldstone of network america and you are on the air you called the radio station sam 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 are you with me yeah yes your son feels that since your wife's death you've been very very unhappy and he's genuinely worried about you
0: and then what, what I didn't get, what I didn't um, put in the clip or we didn't let it play and record enough of was he tells his son, he's like, no, 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 no. You got to come in there and do this with me. Because <laughs> his son's listening in on the other phone. So he's yeah. like, you, you got to come and you got to do this whole thing. We've got to do this together, um, which I thought was quite funny. But I didn't, I, I, when I was recording the clips, I was like, minute, one minute. I was just trying to kind of get one minute kind of recorded and placed in, but yeah. I found, I liked the relationship between father and son as well. It was nice. Mm-hmm,
1: it, was, mm-hmm. it was good to see yeah, they screen. had a, Yeah, they had a very nice, like, open dialogue. They yeah. were very open with each other. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was cute.
0: So, uh, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I know where, it sounds like I'm rushing, but I've got one more, we've got one more movie to talk about, okay? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go too far past that hour mark, because I know I'm like, I'm trying to keep, but you know what? Whatever. Let's, let's whack some more lyrical on Sleepless in Seattle if we need to and then we'll move on afterwards. Yeah, it's
1: okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I, I think I said all I needed to say about Sleepless in Seattle and what's good, I could do another good segue is that we talked about a good father-son relationship, mm-hmm. but there's another in the next movie... nice father-daughter relationship
0: (laughs) did you listen (laughs) this is what that's what an expert sounds like (laughs) okay so all right so last movie then go ahead
1: the last movie is moneyball starring brad pitt and jonah hill's in it as well but who cares brad pitt's the star (laughs) that's why i first watched it fair enough i so, um, it's a sports movie. I like sports movies. I'm not a sports person. You know, I, I like to work out, yeah. but I, I'm not a sports person. Yeah. So, for me to really like sports movies is a bit strange, but I really like this movie. I think it was really well done in a, in a number of ways. I think the pacing's great. I think the cast is great. I love mm-hmm. that it's really naturalistic. It's, it seems like these are real people. Even Brad Pitt, even though you know it's Brad Pitt because you can't mistake him for anything else but even him you know you're like yeah i can see you as this billy bean guy like you're just this manager mediocre manager at a mediocre baseball team
2: yeah
1: so the the movie really is he's trying to change the game because they're at a mediocre level in the baseball league you know mlb in america and they're trying he's he wants to win and he can't win with these teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, who have these bigger budgets and they can buy all these players, all these superstar players, and they always win. They always win the World Series. And like he wants to figure out how he can make it work for him with the little budget that he has. And so he finds this character, Jonah Hill, who's this like Harvard math guy. And he's all about just getting hits. And it's, it's this mathematical statistical mm-hmm. thing that I really don't still understand, but I get what they're doing, but I still can't really explain it. But I, what I like about this story is so God Pitt's character is, his name is Billy Bean. he's a real guy and he was set up to be a major league baseball player at like 18, 19. And he yeah. had the opportunity <laughs> to have a scholarship, full scholarship to go to a really good school, but he couldn't do both and so he went with the baseball mm-hmm. and he didn't he didn't end up going to university he didn't end up getting a degree and graduating but he he flunked out of the league he wasn't really good after all and so he's he's a grown man now like i said this mediocre manager at a mediocre baseball team and he's just thinking about life and his life decisions and the regrets he has you know of chasing this fame and fortune as a baseball player, when I think maybe he didn't even really want to do it, maybe, maybe felt pressured by his family and he regrets not actually going to school. And, and then there's these like forks in the roads. And I think a lot of people can identify with that. I know like I can yeah. like, oh, if I had only done this, maybe this would have happened. So he's really like fighting with himself in the whole movie. It's yeah. it's it's about the team, but it's about him and his choices. And I think he really just wants to be good at something. I think, I think Billy Bean wants to make a name for him. Like, to feel good, like he accomplished something. And so I think, you know, him changing the game, because he says that in the movie, if we change the game. You know, that's about him. It's like he's going to change his own life by doing it. Yeah. And, you know, we can all kind of relate to thinking about, like, oh, man, if I just make this huge change, and like, I'll feel better about myself. And then his daughter, his little daughter, is there to remind him that it's not about, you know... The accomplishments and, and the goals. It's like, can you be happy right now with what you have?
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because Billy Bean is not really happy. He's not a happy guy. He's kind of like a, <laughs> he's kind of like intense, you know. And he doesn't really have anything to do with his players, and he's like disconnected from the, even the guys that he's worked with. Like the older gentleman on his team when they're you know at the there's a scene, and he they don't really care about him. Like there's just like he doesn't have a lot of rapport except for Jonah Hill's character when mm-hmm. he comes in. So he's just not like a, I don't know, he just doesn't seem like a happy guy. Because like I said, he's just like unsettled. And so he's trying to chase his dream, chase his life to make a change. And his his daughter's like, but like your life's right now. Like you can be happy right now if you just choose to be happy now. So that's what I like about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Brad Pitt, but (laughs) that too.
0: (laughs) Well, obviously. Um, it got Watching that, because I watched it, I watched it, but... I remember thinking after watching it another film came out a few years later called Draft Day and cuz I mm. because I watched that this Moneyball it made me want to watch Draft Day just yeah. j- cuz it was another film about it wasn't cuz when I read about it I was like it, nothing much really happens apart from it's just about them deciding who they want on their team on a particular day and it's just the it's just one day in the life of a team trying to you know, drafting new players and build up a new team for the next season, and I kind of liked that. It was, I think, that draft. There was more American football. This is obviously baseball,
2: yeah.
0: and then I've watched like all those documentaries about um, like hard knocks and. The ones that come on uh, Amazon Prime, I can't remember what they're called, but they're just like they're about football, like soccer. They're about some sometimes about basketball or Netflix. They're about American football or Last Chance You. But I'm I'm really into the behind the scenes in sports, and that's why Moneyball was interesting mm-hmm. for me because it was like this guy is trying to do, do this whole system where he's. Drafting in players Who aren't actually that good On paper Well aren't actually that good As in They're not superstars But The Essence of what The The being So the character Jonah Hill's character is Trying to do I get it Because it's like After a while guarantee you We'll start winning But it's gonna take A bit of time And then they do They do actually get A, mm-hmm. a winning streak After a little while Which is amazing But nobody mm-hmm. believed in it Everyone thought it was gonna fail And it, like there were Ten games when they first, when they started they were about 10 games down or something like that mm-hmm. in the start of the season. And it just suddenly turned around. People are like, how how, how in the hell are they doing this? But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I like those kind and it's based on the true stories, which makes it even better.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. And there's that great scene with Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt's in the movie. Yes. And he plays, um, yeah, one of those guys who's just not that great on paper. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's a great, it's like, it's at the climax of the movie and they were going to like hit this record, like 16 wins, I think in a row yeah, that had yeah. never been done before. And they were up by a, like 15 or something. They were up by a lot to zero and, and then they lost it and then they tied the game. And then Chris Pratt comes to the plate and no one believes in this guy. They're like, yeah, all right. Okay, fine. Whatever. And then he hits a home run. Oh man, what a moment. And they win it. Oh, it was great. It was so great. It was such a great moment. But then they didn't win, they didn't go to the World Series, so that's a that's well, disappointing point. But I
0: think part of the reason why the film was so good is it was written by Aaron Sorkin, and I find that he's probably one of the, the better screenwriters out there. He's made, mm-hmm. he's written so many good movies, mm-hmm. like, beyond good, like, so, so many good movies. I, w- I would love to just run off his list of films, but it would, it would go on forever. But a lot of them are just just good. I mean, he did. He wrote The West Wing, TV series, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I swear he wrote Newsroom. Yeah, but
1: he did. And, and um, A Few Good Men.
0: Yes, he wrote The Newsroom. And I loved The Newsroom. I think it only went on for like two seasons and then he cancelled it. Yeah. I was so yeah. upset. But anyway, sorry, I'm digressing way too yeah. much. I've got a scene for you for Moneyball. Do you want to set us up?
1: Yeah, sure. It's the same. It's what I was talking about with the, with the, the daughter. So she's a little singer. So she's a little girl. She likes to sing. And there's a scene in in the guitar shop and he buys her a guitar. She wants to sing. And the end of the movie and Billy Bean is in his truck and he just turned down like the biggest paycheck of his life to manage at the Boston Red Sox, because he said he would never do anything else for money ever again. And you know, he's just kind of, I think just down and out, kind of feeling like a little bit lost. And then he puts in the tape and it's his little girl singing to him and just being like, chill out, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Like be happy, like life's life's okay, like you're fine.
2: Okay, There you go.
1: Uh, Hey dad, this is the song I told you I'd record. Please don't show it to anyone else. Um, Let me know if you change your mind and stay in California, if not, you're a really great dad.
2: I'm just a little bit caught in the middle. Life is a maze and love is a riddle. I don't know where to go, can't do it alone.
0: I've tried and I don't know why. I'm just a little girl lost
2: in the moment. I'm so scared, but I don't show it. I can't figure it out hanging me down i know i've got to
1: let it go and just enjoy the show slow it down make it stop or else my heart is going to pop because it's too much yeah it's a lot to be something i'm not I'm a fool. yeah and i think she's talking about billy in that move in that song
2: yeah
1: just that, that's Kind of where he is, right? He's in the maze and lost, and yeah. So, it, it, to me, that's like the theme of the movie was in that song. So I thought that was a good scene.
0: Well, we have exhausted all our movies. <laughs> 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 oh, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it though. I really enjoyed myself. There was points where I was re- I was going to go in on certain films, but I thought no, hold back hold back especially die hard i could like i could have raged on about. back I, I almost started talking about what well, i did talk about the other movies as well it's like mm-hmm. but you know you have to stop yourself because it made so many and then you kind of go all fanboy or fangirl and yeah, stuff yeah. <laughs> you just like yeah. shut up shut up and get on moving. but um yeah i mean you pick some really good ones like jurassic park i don't think i've had that on the podcast yet actually i don't think anyone's picked really? that yet yeah it's definitely oh, not wow. spotlight as well for sure mm-hmm. for sure like no one's picked spotlight i think someone tried to pick Die Hard, but i told him that it was it was being done by you <laughs> so
1: <they can't>... <laughs> sorry <laughs> you can't do that one
0: someone's chosen it already choose a different one um so yeah and moneyball that was that no one's actually said that and that got me thinking about draft day so i think I yeah. may very well talk about draft day on another podcast. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's a good one. It's a good one. I like draft day a lot. I like yeah. that one too. First, for, as I said, for someone who doesn't really like sports movies, I do like watching them. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm going to be talking about field of dreams. Oh. Yeah. All right, let's, let's not go there. Let's not, let's not go there. Let's not go there. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving yeah. up your time. Thank you. And being on the pod and being on the episode I've had fun. I hope you have had fun too.
1: Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Yeah, I love talking about movies. We could Brilliant. talk all day. So, yeah, thank you.
0: Could <laughs> could. I'm going to have to shut it down unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's that time of <laughs> night over here in the UK.
1: I know, I get it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast and Brilliant. please let me know um when it's out so I can help uh, share it
0: oh oh another thing i forgot i t- i usually say this i don't know why i didn't say it. um if there's any links that you have any and we're gonna put so we're gonna put brand's bio and any information that she wants onto the um, episode description so that people can click and go see you find you wherever you're at
1: you can find me on instagram Brie Hogan and my website brianhogan
0: Yep, that's all going to be there, clickable. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank okay. you very much. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> all right, good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>